0: Driving it home with Patty Vasquez, Patty Vasquez, From global conflicts to greenhouse gases, the folks refusing to wear masks, says, and politicians getting caught grabbing asses, says, she's driving it home with Patty Vasquez.
1: Oh, hello and happy Monday. What, Monday? What, I think the wind blew my ability to speak clearly. It is brisk out there. Hope that you are happy, healthy, and safe wherever you are today. Uh, before I introduce you to our guest, because I want to give him a chance to put his headphones on and, and I uh, get squared away. I apologize. Let's see. Oh, yeah. See if those work right there, sir. Uh, let's, I'm going to swing over. Yep. Yeah, I think you might be okay there and then swing that mic over. But in a moment, I'll flip, uh, his mic on. I know that we we're setting up our cameras as well. Oh, that, that's like right at my neck. Do I need to go lower? <laughs> that we're doing it on air. Uh, let's see. Direction there. Is that better? And I, I can't. Let's see. Hey, everybody. If you're watching our live stream, you can see our camera bouncing around a little bit. It is very brisk out. Before I get started and, and introduce you to our guest, I want to, uh, I, I wanted to comment on a post that I made on Twitter about gas prices because it was $2.76 near Mokina, Illinois, and I was super excited. And I just... Figure You know what? We heard all about how gas prices were super high not too long ago. We saw posts and a post, there's, a, there's a huge banner off of I-90 on the Jane Adams that says, I miss Donald Trump because gas prices were $3.75. And I'm like, you know, we don't see the posts. And somebody used a really derogatory, demeaning, and dehumanizing term on my Facebook page using the R word saying that I sound like the Republicans when they were saying it was all Biden's fault saying, thank you, Joe Biden. Yeah, kind of the joke in that, why are we cheerleading the same way they bitch, is all I'm saying. That's, that's just my only point. I, I, you know Because apparently, facts don't matter. However, I will say a lot of the policies that Joe Biden has put in place and made a push to lower gas prices, I think we can attribute to some of, the, of those, those practices. That's just my two cents about that. So happy Monday, everybody. I want to introduce in studio our guest who came a little bit early, and I didn't have any guest schedules, so this works out perfectly because it would just be me prattling on, sir. I, 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 seriously. Clayton Harris, the third is joining us. Am I saying
2: it's all the third? Absolutely. The third baby. The
1: third! <laughs> it's so good you had, to say it. you had to name another child after your grandfather.
2: And, and another one. And We're another keeping one. it going. So there's a fourth out there <laughs> as well. There's a fourth well. out
1: there. Oh, yeah, right. Because the first one's not the first. It's just Clayton Harris. Correct. And then, so that's your great
2: grandfather, then your grandfather. My grandfather, and then my yep. dad. See, I'm terrible at family trees. Can you tell us? <laughs> so it's my granddad, my dad, me, and now I, my firstborn son.
1: Oh. How, how old's
2: your son? He is 11.
1: 11? Right. So that's about, Sixth grade, Fifth it grade? is sixth, sixth grade?
2: grade, right? Okay. And his uh, brother, Anderson Jackson, is uh, nine. Okay, so we got uh, bookends, right? Two there. boys, two boys.
1: Uh, I have two boys as well.
2: You know the uh, the dream and the struggle.
1: Yes. Uh, well, Clayton Harris the third is running to be your state's attorney for Cook County. Uh, the last in the last year, in the last few months, uh, uh, our state's attorney, Attorney uh, Kim Fox, announced that she would not be seeking reelection. And this is not. This is a this, this office draws a lot of fire. So before we talk about what your vision is for the office, I want to learn about you. Okay. Now we know you have two wonderful sons.
2: And a beautiful wife.
1: And a beautiful wife. Right. And uh, so let's, let's go back a little bit. Where did you grow up, my friend?
2: So I am a military brat. I grew up everywhere. I was born in Virginia, and we moved every three years afterwards. Uh, uh, graduate high school in Germany. I went to undergrad in Tennessee. Um, I did law school in Washington D.C., and then I moved here uh, and prosecuted. And I did grad school here as well in Chicago.
1: So, chi- so, so Chicago is your chosen home.
2: Chicago is my what? chosen home. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yes.
1: What about it? When I mean having lived in so many different places, I mean culturally, obviously different. Whether it's Germany or Tennessee, D.C. and other places you have visited, what what was it about Chicago? You went. You know what? This is it. This oh, is where it's I'm the planning
2: winters. Hands down. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, no. <laughs> no, uh, <laughs> in all honesty, it's... You know, Chicago's got that thing where, you know, you, you can't quite put your finger on it, mm-hmm. you know. But that's what it is. When I got here, you know, I was like, okay, we'll be here. We'll give it a good year. And that was 24 years, 23 years ago. And I, I just can't imagine being anywhere else but here.
1: Okay. What neighborhood did you first uh, settle in? Humble Park when okay. I first moved here. All right. And, and really, a, a a community that has a lot of stops and starts, it feels like, right? It, yes. it, like People are like, it's gentrifying. And the community wanted to build itself up. Up. and I, I absolutely love Humboldt Park. I have so yes, many friends uh, sure. that live there. Uh, so do you still live
2: in Humboldt? No, I'm in Washington Park now.
1: Okay, excellent. Right. All great. Another great neighborhood. So you came here as a prosecutor. What what made you decide to pursue law in the first place? What was the draw for studying the legal aspect of our society?
2: So I think that's a, that's a great question. Uh, my undergrad degree is in aerospace technology. <laughs>
1: <laughs> totally related. Right, yeah. exactly. Say, what are you going to do with this degree? <laughs> hey, I'm going
2: to law school. Sure. <laughs> I was actually working in at the Pentagon at the time in the Ballistic Missile Defense Organization, and I had this pull. There was a lot of things. There were a lot of things that were going on in and around America. You know, there was after the Rodney King um, beating and then the trials and everything along those lines. And um, being there in D.C., we're kind of at a focal point with everything that was going on as well. And it was just the right time for me to go to um, law school. And I, I was able to go to Howard Law um, look at this today. So nice. that was on, uh, 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 that wasn't planned. Uh, but um, uh, I went to Howard Law and grew up uh, there in the spirit of civil rights and advocacy. Very very happy. It was a great move for. Me.
1: And what did you think? Because, you know, a lot of us, I, I thought about going to law school. I wanted, for similar reasons, I, I thought of going for civil civil rights law, environmental law, actually, mm-hmm. as well. And uh, and for various reasons, I, I just uh, had different pulls in my life. But what did you, you know, my dad was really upset because I told him civil rights. He's like, well, why don't you go for real estate law? Go for tax law. Money, that's where right? the <laughs> money is, right? So what did, you, what did you intend to do? What was your vision of practicing law?
2: In all honesty, when I was going in using the technical background, with the law, it was space law. So it was brand new. No one was really talking about it. um, But that was where I focused. I even interned uh, at the FAA. And wrote an extremely boring paper, if you're ever an insomniac, <laughs> on uh, orbital debris. Sure. And the FAA's right to uh, control uh, missile launches and different things along those lines to uh, tap down. It's funny because it's a big deal now. Yeah, it is. About orbital There's debris. stuff
1: coming out of the atmosphere. Right. And we they made probably... the
2: movie uh, Gravity with uh, Sandra Bullock. Right. Yeah, it was about orbital debris. And I used to tell people, I was like, <laughs> and they're <were> like, yeah, <laughs> I no. On that. Right, exactly. They're like, yeah, whatever, dude.
1: What? Oh, so okay. So that would have been. Are you saying like so in the '90s or so was when the you, late '90s
2: like, exactly? Um, but then I had an opportunity to come here uh, in between my second and third year. i had uh, spent a little time in Prince George's County uh, prosecuting there uh, while I was at school, and Cook County, uh, just the premier, you know, uh, uh, state's attorney's office, offered an internship um, between my second and third year, and I came here. Okay, and I did uh, night narcotics. And um, this was the time when the office was working on uh, the hate crimes legislation is under Dick Devine. And basically, um, the office said we have a problem with race, not in Cook County, not in the city of Chicago, but in our office. And I respected that. And we're like, we need more uh, uh, attorneys of color uh, to come here. Um, and that was one of the draws as well as working on the hate crimes legislation on YK.
1: So you mean being inclusive and having diversity, it was important in the workplace. The- <laughs>
2: Go figure, right? <laughs> what?
1: That sounds so outrageous. Well, it is, I mean, in the nineties, you know, there was, cause I, I graduated from college in 93 and, you know, there was a big push for trying to have more women of color, more people of color. Right. And, and it was, it was considered to be, to have more perspective. We, we, you know, suddenly became self-aware and went, Oh, the same people are, are are fighting from the same point of view or telling the stories from the same point of view. And lawyers really are there to also tell the story, right? Here's Absolutely. here's a story of how the law applies. So if you have the same people doing it for decades and centuries, it's going to have a long-lasting effect. So you worked in, in, in Divine's office Correct. as an intern and decided to move here afterwards. And, and prosecuting, was that the first thing you started doing when you, when you relocated?
2: That's the reason I came here. Okay. Uh, so after my... Uh, third year, they offered me the job and I, I jumped at it. Uh, a buddy of mine who claimed to be from Chicago, like the whole time we were in law school, and then I get Downers here, Grove. not Evanston. <laughs> I'm like, dude, that's not Chicago. My buddy, Giada Kimmins. Like, <laughs> I'm like, this is not Chicago, this is Evanston. But we love Evanston, obviously. Sure, was, absolutely. Uh, right. Kind of. I don't to grad school. No, okay. <laughs> Um, And then the opportunity presented itself when they said, hey, we want to offer your position. um, I jumped at it. And, you know, there were a lot of conversations before I came here uh, with a bunch of my buddies at Howard. They were just like, man, you're throwing away three good years of law school to go be the man and to prosecute. And I thought that that was very interesting, but a very relevant conversation to have, because I don't think people truly understand the power of the state's attorney or the assistant state's attorneys. Mm -hmm. They're the ones who you know uh, uh, approved charges they're the ones who bring charges forth uh, um if they don't move forward on a case the case doesn't move forward and then after the adjudication and in front of the finder of facts you know they're the ones that make a recommendation on sentencing so there's a lot of power in there and it in, in to your point too talking about representation it really matters um, uh, who's there. I believe in the mission of the office. Absolutely. I have zero problem with prosecuting. I have zero problem holding people accountable, right? But when you have a lens on it that I have been pulled over before for no reason that, you know, maybe this what? individual, yeah, go figure, huh? What? <laughs> uh, is telling the truth. Driving while handsome? Is that what happened? That's what it was right there. <laughs> Right, they've been pulled over more. <laughs> right, <laughs>
1: right. I I always say that because there's an alderman that lives near nearby that's in another ward that I got no I got no heat to argue with him that it doesn't happen. That it, I mean, we still have people in office, we still have people in power who deny that that's happening. Perhaps the same alderman who said what was that What was that car full of black people doing at the Brickyard Mall? Perhaps it was that <laughs> same alder person. Yes. I'm just saying, but but I'm but to right. that though, we because we have electeds who will still say those kinds of things that that's so entrenched in our system that it does have, help to have somebody who has had that perspective of going, okay, I know what both sides of this feels like, not necessarily the criminal side, correct, but the things that that put us in in those positions to come into contact with law enforcement,
2: right? And and all it is is it opens up another aspect of the conversation, right? You got to make room that this could be truly what they're saying and what's happening there. And then you put all the evidence forward and you move forward at that point in time but having been pulled over and, and it's happened more than once mm-hmm. um, and I'm very honest with myself you know and so I know what I did and what I didn't do um, and, and but I also, just the way I was born, I'm a military brat, right um, I was born or raised to believe in discipline and respect for authority so I got pulled over automatically you know, 10 and 2 mm-hmm. And yes, sir. You know, you know, it's just, just no argument. No matter how frustrated I sure. was internally, and that kind of makes a difference. Or and could it,
1: and in the time since you began uh, as a prosecutor, how long uh, were you working as a prosecutor?
2: So from ninety nine to oh three oh four. Okay, so about four four years.
1: And it's a lot of work. It's a lot of heavy lifting. There's a lot of cases. <laughs> There's a lot of decisions that have to be made. A lot of collaborating with people within yes. the office. I think. Tell us a little bit about that that so aspect.
2: That to me was the greatest part of uh, the state's attorney's office. Especially towards the end, so I started in appeals, um, went to traffic, jumped over to narcotics. I, you know, I had intern there, so that was a good jump. And when I finished, I was in special prosecutions, narcotics. What I will tell you is that the Cook County State's Attorney's Office, every step of the way, invited collaborations, collaboration with the other assistant state's attorneys, with your supervisors as well, so that you could talk about the cases that are going on. So you could. Internally, and and, and hear what I'm saying when I say argue about the law and the application of the law, it's like, you know, okay, does the law really read this way and mean this? So you can have these discussions. So when you're in court, when you're in front of the judge or the jury, you can make this argument, you know, in front of folks intelligently so that people understand this application of the law and why it's relevant here and now. Or if you're uh, uh, rebutting something right. that's coming at you. So I thought the collaboration was, uh, in in all honesty, the better, if not best part of being an assistant state's attorney.
1: And since that time that you were working uh, in the state's attorney's office, you know, uh, I have to say technology has changed so much, both to the benefit and to the detriment of how we uh, interact with each other, really, Right, and and have our experiences in front of, a a judge or a jury,
2: doesn't it? I mean... It it, it does. You know, the the good part about it, uh, which some people probably disagree, is that everything can be or is being recorded. Right. So you have a record right there. But the truth of the matter is, just because you see something doesn't necessarily give you the full facts or the 360 of it. So I think it's good to have it, to be able to use it. I think that social media cuts both ways. You know, right. You know, on what's being... Tweet it or posted or, you know, anything uh, like that, especially if someone has the forethought to be doing something to try to goad someone in and then they have it right on, you know, uh, so, so we look at it. But I think that ultimately, the more innovative we are with technology, the better we'll be for it.
1: We are talking to Clayton Harris III. He is candidate for state's attorney of Cook County. Uh, there are going to be two candidates on the, on the ballot, and uh, and your opponent, obviously. The, there is no other Democratic candidate, is there? No, it's no. just the two of us. Just the two of us. So there will be one Democrat, one Republican. And uh, and I, I want to talk more about this race, about your background, uh, what you've did, done since you were a prosecutor, yes. and uh, maybe how much CSI had to, <laughs> an impact on, on, uh, <laughs> on the courtrooms when that show came out. Because everyone's like, what? Where's the DNA? Oh Where's the, the lab yes, analysis? Look- Analysis. Talk about it. Oh my gosh. Yes. <laughs> let's take a break here when we come back, and uh, we do, would you be willing at some point to take uh, calls from the listeners? Uh, let's open up the phone lines, and if folks have questions, because uh, this is a, a, one of the most important races uh, coming up in 2024. Uh, we always talk about how local is vital. It's you know we'll we'll be showing up for the presidential. Ballot for you know the top of the ticket. Uh, for we have a lot of electeds along the way. Your state representative, your state senators. Uh, this is going to be one of the most important races uh, in Cook County. More after this on WCPTA twenty Heartland Signal.
3: Hi, this is Kirk Bankstead from the Minocqua Brewing Company, and I sell progressive beer like AOC IPA and Bernie Brew, a lovingly irascible democratic socialist lager. A percentage of the proceeds of every beer I sell goes to helping keep Wisconsin blue and driving the Trump cult out of our state. Enjoy a great craft beer and help your dysfunctional neighbor to the north get its democracy back.
1: Buy yours at Beer on Central and Evanston, D&D Finer Foods in Evanston, Rogers Park Provisions, Provisions Uptown, and Beer Shop Oak Part must be 21. Please drink responsibly.
0: You're listening to Driving It Home with Patty Basket on WCPT 820.
1: Thank you so much for hanging out with us on this blustery Monday evening in studio with me is Clayton Harris III. He is candidate for Cook County State's Attorney Kim Fox last year, or I believe it was was it in the last year or so that she announced she would not be seeking reelection. And uh, we've been talking about his background, uh, his uh, w- his work in Chicago in the Cook County State's Attorney's office as a prosecutor for about four or five years. Is that about right? That's correct. And uh, and before we uh, before I forget, just because uh, I was telling him off the air, I, I did not realize that you were teaching at the University of Chicago where my son attends and I don't know that my son is listening I know my husband is so they'll have this conversation <laughs> because policy is you know po- people I, I'm a policy advisor for Comptroller Susana Mendoza and I love my if i had known I could do this in my 20s I'd have been doing this for the last 30 years right. cuz I ran for office for state rep to help people who have uh, an individual they love in their families who have disabilities or for people with disabilities because we're one of the worst country one of the worst states in the country when it comes to services um, so, but I got involved in policy. Comptroller Mendoza saw that I had a lot of experience, and uh, and and it it, it's, it really can make an impact to have people aware of what's going on. Now, I told him, I told I told uh, Clayton Harris that my son should take his class. Uh, Griffin is somewhat interested in pursuing journalism. Let's go, Griffin. <laughs> And I said, oh, I know some folks I can introduce you to. And he goes, I don't want nepotism. Meaning, like I'm not saying they're going to hire you. I'm just saying, and by the way, I have been at radio for over... 12 years, and and I love my career. I love what I've done. I also know that the white guys in this white dominated, <laughs> white male dominated industry have had their sons be producers, have had got all gotten them jobs, have all these connections, and you're telling me now, oh, we, I'm not saying it's nepotism. I'm just saying, let me put
2: you in the room. And Griffin, if you're listening, it doesn't mean you're going to get an A in the class. <laughs> <laughs> it just means I'm going to call on you more. So if you think that's oh, nepotism, no. that's <laughs> all it means is I'm going to call on you more. <laughs> Can give you oh, a little no. bit more. Hey, I know uh, your mom. Oh, no. You can't answer that He's question? He's never going to take your class now. I really <laughs> screwed this up. it. let's
1: play the tape back. Hey, Paul, can you fix that in editing? Because now Griffin's never going to take your class. Uh, but it's wonderful that you teach at, at the University of Chicago. What led you to uh, become a policy instructor?
2: Wow, that's a great question, too. I... Um it was a lot of the background that was going on, and uh, I was out and about, and we were talking. and, and There's a lot of things going on uh, in the state, and I was responsible for some crisis management with everything that was going on in the state. and, and we were we were we were electing the first black president. We were trying to get another uh, U.S. senator in there. We we're trying to make sure that the state didn't go off the rails. And we were talking about that. And someone was like, you should teach a class on policy. And I was like, yeah, no one would ever, you know, do this. And a couple of weeks later, I got a call from the university. And that's how it started. And the first course I taught was um, uh, process and policy in state and local government. OK, yes.
1: Outstanding. Uh, so I, I and it's something I intend to maybe I should take a class with you, actually. That's
2: probably we should, the, we should tag team one. I think that would be awesome.
1: Yeah, because I mean, the thing is, I talk to like vendors. I talk to people who receive services. I talk to a lot of I, my job is to connect our office with people who are impacted directly. Right. And, and inform my office of w- what impact this is having on our communities. Uh, and, and I and I thought that's one of the reasons why. I mean, there's a, there is a difference between politics and governing. Correct. Right, and, that's, and I think that that's gotten really lost. Maybe it's not. It's always been political. Yeah. You know, it's always it's, been political. It,
2: well, it's gotten lost for sure because mm-hmm. the first thing that I, I say to my students because they, 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 they conflate things is, oh, you know, and, and here's a great example. Almost every single quarter when I was teaching this course, I'm like, in this class, you can do anything you want as long as you pass the policy. And they're like, anything, anything. And at first, they don't believe me. They're like, okay, then everybody in the class gets an A. I'm like, okay. And they're like, what? And I'm like, yeah. So I take a piece of paper and I drew an A on it and I cut it off and I handed it to the first kid. And then I did another one. they're like, no, no, that's not what I mean. I was like, I know, but that's what you said. Right. And a lot of people make statements and not policies. So let's talk about how what your policy is going to be to get an A in the class. And ultimately it becomes, okay, every student has the ability to get an A if they do X, Y, and Z, which requires a number, another, you know, A, B, and C. That is a policy. And then we put it in, we put it through, we implement it, we evaluate it, and then we go back and tweak it when there are unforeseen circumstances that come to and through. And, And it's truly It's truly important to get through people's minds. So this is the difference between politics and governing that those are two different things. You can say whatever you want to say. Oh, (laughs) that sounds great. Let's do it. Yes. Right. But you know, and you know, you've been around when people will say something. You're like, yeah, that's never going to happen. Right. Right.
1: Yeah, exactly. Right, right.
2: We're live streaming, right? Can y'all see this? <laughs> right. Exactly.
1: Give me a break. Right. We are hanging out with uh, Clayton Harris III. I know there's a couple of uh, folks online. I don't, I don't want to take uh, the phone calls before we, the break because then I'll be rushing everybody through. Uh, because I do want to also turn to, uh, you know, since you left the prosecutor's office, the state's attorney's office as a prosecutor, and, uh, and we've, we're talking about how you teach at the University of Chicago. In between there, what kind of, uh, what kind of work have you been doing?
2: Oh, uh, a lot.
1: <laughs> yeah, so. Once you left the pro- the. Uh,
2: I went to Mayor Daley's office, so I actually went down to Springfield. So I was in his intergovernmental affairs, and we worked on legislation um, to help make the uh, city—focused on the city, but help make the city safer. So we uh, um, did—I did his crime agenda— there, we worked on gun legislation. Uh, we worked on tightening up the criminal sexual assault, you know, and obviously these would affect the county and the state as well, but sure. through this. So I was very excited because that truly is the sausage making, uh, aspect of it. And this is how I got, like, these steps are what led me to teaching and what I believe makes me uniquely qualified at this time to run for state's attorney. So I did, um, Mayor Daly's Intergovernment Affairs. I was, uh, counsel at CDOT, uh, utilizing some of my technical, um, degree there. I was invited at that point in time to become the Chief of Staff for, uh, uh IDOT. Um, because they had a large, the Dan Ryan and Kingery, uh, uh, public works on the, the brink and they needed a manager. So I managed like over 5,000 people and we worked on that. It was a billion dollar project and we brought it in on time and on budget and it was, it was an excellent, excellent, um, proving ground learning and from there I went on to um that success allowed me to become deputy chief of staff over all of infrastructure for the state of Illinois so that was that was incredible and then you know um Things went off the rail. You know, I tell people, you know, what happened? Oh, yeah, the governor got, you know, impeached, arrested, impeached and whatnot. And I ultimately became his last chief of staff or the chief of staff for the state of Illinois while, you know, we were in a bit of a chaos because someone needed to step up. Um, So I was chief of staff. It was a
1: really tough time because when Bogoy, was indicted, we our credit rating was Uh, just absolutely decimated.
2: It it wasn't even that. Exactly. There were so many other things that were going on. Homeland Security. They're like, hey, you know, who who do we talk to? Like, I got that phone call. And, you know, and it's crazy. And then, you know, especially like that first day, people are panicking. We're not understanding, you know, what's happening or whatnot. And it was me and a few other guys and we're still in contact, like Dee Martinez and some other ones that, you know, we're just like, okay, we got to pull this together because there were 60,000 state employees. That hadn't done anything wrong. Right. And those 60,000 state employees, regardless of what people want to talk about or whatnot, they were focused on making sure the 12 million plus people in the state of Illinois had the services that the state was required, if not wanting to right. put. So I, I'm still catching flack today about it. It's okay because I do the same thing well, here, over again. Here,
1: here I, just in a very uh, personal and uh, uh, into, like in the moment that it was happening, when Blagojevich was indicted and uh, because checks were not being written. So uh, the reason I got involved in politics and government was because uh, my son, Declan, who has a severe disability, mm-hmm. uh, he will never live independently, uh, was receiving early intervention, which is a f- federally mandated, also subsidized program, but also run by the state of Illinois. And I was in the hallway was about to turn three when Bogoyevich was indicted, and she goes, you are so lucky that you are aging out of our program because I'm about to eliminate all of my early intervention kids because I'm not getting paid. So it's not just that you know people aren't getting paid. It's that they then also they, – they have to eliminate the clients, the patients, the people that they care for that need it the most because we had a corrupt governor that uh, – yeah, and, and everything was absolute in absolute turmoil.
2: The dominoes were falling and what we tried to do was pull out so that it didn't knock everything else down. Exactly.
1: Yeah, Let's take a break here. We're hanging out with Clayton Harris He's Clayton Harris third. He's running for Cook County State's Attorney. So let's talk about what his vision is for that and what has compelled him, what, why he feels called to run for this, because it really is, for people who truly do this for the service of others, it is a calling. Yes, there are people who do it for the opportunity, for power. Uh, there are others who see it, their ability that they have something to lend to it. And I have a feeling that our guest in the studio is one of those people. More in a moment on WCPTA 20, Heartland Signal.
0: You're listening to Driving It Home with Patty Baskin on WCPT 820.
1: We are in studio. I just told uh, Clayton Harris the III to uh, clear his schedule for the rest of the evening because uh, I think we're going to hang out for the show. Let's do this. Uh, because you are... The, well, you... Quite frankly, you're the first uh, candidate that I have spoken to um, for this next election cycle of this gravity, the, gravi- the gravity of this office, the uh, attention that is paid to it, especially in this community. You are in Jefferson Park, uh, the 16th district, home to, I believe, a quarter of all first responders in the city of Chicago.
2: Outstanding.
1: If you fold the map of, my, I think it's was it uh, uh, Mont Greenwood, you would have a similar demographic of whether it's uh, racial or people who work for the police department and fire department. And the Cook County's office um, has come under attack a, a quite significantly with, under Kim Fox for a lot of reasons. And, and Anita Alvarez, when I was running for office, it was interesting because, you know, when you, it's hard to explain to folks when you're putting together a campaign and the strategy that people build. And they're like, okay, well, Patty's a Latina. and How did Anita Alvarez do in this community? Let's go for those voters first, even though she was a little more conservative. Like, it's all the, the spinning plates right. uh, are going on. And, and you are still the candidate Who has their vision Their focus And what you want to message What you want people to know You just talked about how um, you, You want people to You don't want to change What they think but how they approach,
2: right? Correct. I'm not trying to change what anyone thinks. Right. What I'm trying to change is how you think right. about what you think. And then you can come to any subsequent conclusion that you want at that point in time. So it's it's, it's bringing forth facts. It's talking and having a conversation with someone who might have a different opinion uh, than you do. And it's making room that you might not be 100% correct. That's all it is. and is. Well, let's have a conversation.
1: That's, so I have been saying this since I got the show about two and a half years ago, that uh, for me, being a progressive means that I am willing, I'm open to information that I, I haven't considered before, right. and basing my th- opinions now on that, Ch- be, being nimble enough to go, oh, I hadn't thought of it that way, or that hadn't occurred to me. But that takes a lot of uh, ability to go, I was wrong. And that's, don't you think that's where a lot of people are like, what do you mean I'm wrong? Like, that's where they get, they get sort of in that quicksand.
2: Right. And I wish people would look at it less that I was wrong as opposed to, oh, I just didn't know. Right. I didn't understand that that really happens to you. But you got you to gotta, you gotta leave room for that conversation. You know, so when we talked about being pulled over before, you know, and people are like, no, that doesn't happen. I just need you to make a little room and then let's have a conversation about it.
1: Because essentially they're telling you to your face that you're lying. Right. Why, why, why can't that? I mean, just, just say it. Say right. it. Say it, You're a liar. Right. You they, know? they don't want to say that part, though. Correct. Then, then, they, then they feel like they're being too cruel. And you're like, but
2: the first part was really the cruelty. Right. And, you know, people always associate something that's less than positive as a negative. And everything sure. that's less than positive is not necessarily a negative. And sometimes we just, again, we have, to, we have to leave room that there might be some wiggle room in here that we're kind of both right, but now that you... You see it from this perspective, you understand a little bit more where I'm coming, or vice versa. You know, the same way. You know, when you were talking about some of the politics or the issues, being a Latina, right? Being a woman, plain and simple, right? Uh, uh, being under six feet. You know, people have to, right? Yeah, uh, uh, just make a little bit of room. It doesn't mean it does not necessarily mean that I change my opinion or that I believe or or that everything you're saying is right. What it is is like all right, maybe so. And now I'm thinking about it. That's what we need to do. We just need to open up because I've been learning a lot going around this county, a lot. And some of my positions have shifted a little bit, you know, to make sure, sure that I'm like, okay, that makes sense to me. So this is where we are. And I think that that's part of being, I don't know, an adult. What? <laughs>
1: and you, you've you worked for the state. You've, you've uh, managed, you know, a large number of impl- like people who've worked with you in I dot, you've worked with C right. which for those who are maybe some like oh, what are all these you know letters? The Illinois Department of Transportation, Chicago Department of Transportation. Uh, you've been in, in, and with your background in you know science and math, uh, lending themselves. It, was it what was the study again? It was uh,
2: aerospace technology. Sure, that I course. got a T shirt that says I actually am a rocket scientist. <laughs>
1: I love it. I, I have a friend who also has a law degree, and uh, I can't remember. It's like it's some sort of microphysics something as well. And, and so it's a, it's it, it fascinating to me that you both became uh, lawyers. And uh, so now, you know, ha- with the background in, as a prosecutor, you're familiar with the state's attorney's office. You bring all this uh, rounded experience uh, th- in this part of your life now, teaching at the University of Chicago. What is the compelling factor for you to run for state's attorney for I, Cook County?
2: I think that all of it compounded now and, and we didn't even talk about like the government affairs aspect of it, but it is where we are at this moment in time and I feel like we just can't go backwards. We're moving forward, but I also feel like we need to make sure that we're focused on more than one thing at a time. So my platform has been accountability, but we can be safe and just at the same time. So we can focus on the crime that is happening and making sure that we're stopping rec- And that people understand that everyone is being held accountable, but we can do it appropriately as well. So we're not just throwing people away and just right and saying, okay, we hope that, you know, this and and this is where being a public policy professor I think helps me out with this. Because we no longer are looking at statements, right? We're actually focused on policies. Right. So we know arresting everyone is not working because here here we are. But maybe if we address the problem. Right. And recidivism so that people aren't coming back. How do we address that? And I think that in, in my, with my platforms, one of the things that we're going to look at immediately is the juvenile justice system and try to get it earlier, you know, so that people aren't coming into the 1826. So we're looking and you hear it, you know, 11 year olds committing these crimes. Right. Well, there's something that took or brought an 11 year old to that point. My son's 11 years old. Right. And I I can't even imagine that he doesn't do anything without me knowing, you know, but that's not how everyone is. So we have to hold this 11 year old accountable. But how do we hold an 11 year old accountable appropriately? We look at resources. We look at opportunities so that they do not come back into the system. And that's what I'm looking forward to doing.
1: That is an approach that, that so many people are locked into their opposition. Right. They they're like they really are throw them away. Mentality, and I, I, you know, social. This is where social media. I realized about eight years ago uh, during the women's march. I don't know how long ago that was after Trump won, mm. and I was in an argument that one of the speakers had uh, had committed crimes, uh, and, and egregious crimes. I mean, violent crimes, uh, kidnapping, torture, I believe, and uh, and she had served her time, and was talking about the experience of being a woman in prison. And people that I had grown up with were like, "Can you believe she's allowed to speak in like you know, talk, speak at rallies? You really want your kids hearing this kind of?" Stuff, and I'm like, would you rather they had executed her? I just want to know, like, say it. What, what's the solution here? That she should never, ever be able to contribute to society? Because my understanding of why we penalize somebody is that they, like, is supposed to be, you're supposed to be teaching someone a lesson. Right. But Rehabilitation.
2: We're, not. we're trying. We're torturing people. Exactly. Yeah. And, and I want to focus on uh, um, ensuring that uh, we put the right people away. I got zero problem with that. Of course. Right. Uh, But that the folks that need like my dad didn't really believe in second chances. He believed in opportunities. So we give opportunities to people. One of the things I say with my boys after there there's trouble, you know, and and we work it out or whatnot. And I say this to him. I'm like, okay, now, you know, better what now that I know better, I'll do better. And once you do better, what you are better. So be better. That's all we're trying to do is to get people to be better.
1: I don't know. You seem very uh, earnest and, uh, and genuine. I don't know why you're running for this office. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, any office, to be honest with you. I mean, having done it, uh, I know what it does to you somebody. Do, right. Have you run for office before?
2: Um, technically, I ran for Cook County State's Attorney uh-huh. once before in 08 uh-huh. uh, when Dick Devine it, it had announced he wasn't going to run again. So I've had, <clears throat> excuse me, y'all. I've had this in my spirit to do, but I was woefully—I think I would have been an excellent state's attorney. Just so we're clear, but I didn't have the other lived experiences that I believe now make me uniquely qualified. I wasn't a professor back then. I hadn't taught. You know, I uh, you didn't ha- have kids. I didn't have kids, and that's a, a, yeah. a, an incredible uh, perspective at that point in time. Um, I hadn't. Uh, done government affairs. So now I'm adept to going to DC and bringing back federal funds to unlock state and local funds, you know, f- to get more resources back and forth to Springfield and even downtown to uh, uh, city council and county uh, council. So these are things now that I am, um, will let someone else say, but an expert at. Uh, and and I'm, I'm very proud of that. Um, so I think that that's. That's I you, you have I a lot now.
1: of confidence in what you're doing. I do. Yeah. I I, yeah, I, I you should I, yeah.
2: I, I really do. I think there's a lot of things um, that have put me in this place at this time to be the correct choice for uh, state's attorney.
1: We are in studio with Clayton Harris III. He's running to be the next Cook County state's attorney uh, after uh, Kim Fox announced last year that she would not be seeking re-election. And so this is the, I believe, one of the most important races uh, in 2024. Uh, I know we've got some folks online on the phone, so let me take a break here. And when we return, we'll take your calls on WCPT 820 Heartland Signal seven seven three seven six three nine two that's the number to call and join our conversation. You can also text to the same number. More in a moment.
0: Patty Vasquez is taking your calls now at 773-763-9278. Driving it home with Patty Vasquez now on WCPT 820.
1: Hello. Thank you so much for hanging out with us. We are in studio with Clayton Harris III. He is the candidate for state's attorney, uh, the Cook County state's attorney. We do have calls. I Sometimes I'm not sure if people want to call at the beginning of the show for a different topic, so I checked in with our listeners to make sure that they were calling to talk to you, and they were. Okay. So let me start with Jim in Chicago. Now, Jim reminds me of my dad if he was a Southsider and a Democrat. So that's
5: <laughs> one of my favorite callers.
1: Hey, Jim, how you doing all right there?
5: <laughs> from the west side. I don't know how you north got north the south side in your I'm oh, from the west side. So. You know me. Anyway, anything,
1: anything outside of northwest side is south side. So. No,
5: no, I know, I, I know, <laughs> Please. I was in the north side for most of my life anyway. But i was going to ask Clayton the war on drugs since the 70s, uh, since Nixon. I've had friends addicted to heroin. Uh, Uh, Then you go through the cocaine epidemic. I I lost a couple of family members' overdoses of cocaine. The crack cocaine, I had friends that were addicted to crack cocaine. And now you've got the opiates. And my question is, these people weren't criminals, Clayton. They they didn't have a criminal ball in their body. They just happened to be addicted to this drug. That's the rub there. You know, how many people are in jail because they're addicted to a drug and they'll, they'll go through any kind of motions to get it and usually in my experience if a person with more means lasts longer than a person whose circumstances have less means because they can take more chances but uh i don't know how i i know that it's you know it's 2023 and uh but things like narcan should be dispensed all over the city i think more uh um, what do they use for heroin when, when i was a kid uh, Methadone. Methadone oh, clinics used to be plentiful, plentiful all over the place. Now they make you like an animal. you got to go in there. And they watch you pee. They watch you take the drug. They, they claim you might go and sell it for 20 bucks. I mean, this is how ridiculous it is. And uh, then they end up in, in county jail or in jail, and they're not criminals. That's the,
2: that's the frustrating part about it. Jim, I, I agree with you 100%. You know, one of the things I said in pre slating and in slating, you know, as, as, as a candidate for Cook County State's Attorney, is that we have to stop criminalizing addictions, uh, uh, conditions, or lack of expectations. So these are individuals, you're, you're right, that need uh, resources, right, instead of jail. They're, they're, the right place for them is not in jail. And we have to be intelligent when we look at prosecutions and how it goes. One of the things that I've said that I really want to focus on another one of the things I want to do immediately is I want to beef up our special prosecutions unit uh, that adds a 10th vision that really focuses on organized crime. So when we talk about organized crime, we're talking about these crime uh, uh, um, families or whatnot that flood our neighborhoods with drugs guns, uh, do the things for organized crime. So, Jim, uh, uh, the the addict is not who we need to be incarcerating. It's the individual. It's the kingpin that is flooding our uh, streets with these narcotics that we want to go after. And and having been in special prosecutions narcotics, um, I understand exactly how this works and and what we could and should be focusing on. And we have outstanding assistance in the
5: office. Let me. I don't want to jinx you, but you sound like a human to me, Clayton. And have a good Christmas. <laughs> have a Jim. good Christmas, buddy. Take Merry care. Christmas. Thank you, thank you, know, my I, friend. I don't
1: know what kind of things to do to, to get rid of the jinx. Thank you, Jim. <laughs> uh, I do think that uh, so many people, you know, know that and intellectually they know that drugs are the problem of the whether it's the cartels or other organizations that are flooding Chicago, both with with narcotics, with uh, an underground economy, with weapons. Um, yeah. It, you know you know a lot you've you obviously have been here for a while and uh, understand a lot of chicago um you know we've is is it my understanding that we've destabilized a lot of this by whether it's eliminating CHA or the the? I mean, we often think of when we eliminate something, we'll make things better. You know, where uh, Cabrini Green was, you know, we're gonna we're gonna put a lot of nice stores in there, we're gonna put it in condos and things like that. Well, then we we sort of had a system, it seems like, in place at the time for how to to manage the the violence in the underground economy, but not necessarily to anyone's benefit. But correct, right? Well, have we? Have, are we figuring that out? Are we sort of putting it together the pieces of how to approach what's going on in Chicago?
2: I think, again, what we want to look at is the, t- the totality of the circumstances, right? So how we ad- address it. So um, when you handle one thing that you believe is the problem, right. right, but it's not, it's an issue, even though it's huge or whatnot, then you're, 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 you're solving this part. But if the problem is still out there, things then spiral back up. So it's one of the things I tell my students that sometimes we have to take a NyQuil approach to it. You know, so NyQuil is the nighttime sniffling, sneezing, achy, fever, (laughs) stuffy head medicine so you can rest. Well, all those things in and of themselves could be a problem depending on what you have to do. So you might just need tissues for the stuffy nose, right? Uh, you might just need uh, Tylenol or whatnot for the headache or whatnot. But if you need all of them to address the full problem, the flu, you take NyQuil. So a lot of times what we're doing is we're taking like one or two things or the medicine for that and not the full. So what I would say is... Addressing, you know, that, but looking at gentrification and not what it brings, or the, the 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 spreading out now of people who have always lived in this area, right? Or if you're talking about gang lines and and what was going on and what was controlled in that, well, I don't think anyone. Should believe that. Well, it would have just been better if we let the gang stay there on there, but it would have been better if we thought out what this looks like once they're gone yes. and how we can address it that way.
1: You mean planning ahead, like with policy oh. or something? Yeah, not a <laughs> good idea. I'm not sure. Let me take another call. Uh, you're, seriously, you're making too much sense. It's, and I don't know if it's going to sink in with the right people. It will. Ah. <laughs> it will. Let's get to Diane and Berwin. Berwin, uh, Berwin, I can't help myself, Diane. How are you doing today? I'm good. How are you, Patty?
6: Merry
2: Christmas. Merry
1: Christmas. You're out with Clayton Harris III, running for Cook County State's Attorney.
2: Hi, Diane.
6: Hi, Mr. Harris. First of all, I want to thank you for offering to uh, run for public service, public office. Thank you very much for that. Thank Secondly, you. Secondly, <laughs> I'm pretty progressive. I believe in progressive policies and ideals, and I'm so dismayed that so many states attorneys across the country, Phil Krasner in or uh, Larry Krasner in Philadelphia and the poor woman in San Francisco and even Kim Fox have suffered such backlash for their progressive policies, which is eliminating cash bail for poor people. What is so bad about that? So I'm wondering how you feel about that and what how progressive your policies
2: are. So I think that's an excellent, excellent uh, um, acknowledgement and understanding on what's happening, not just here, but across the nation. And what I would tell you is that we have to stay the course. Uh, uh, the elimination of cash bail, right? Everyone's like, oh, my gosh. oh Sorry about that. Was that yeah, me? No, it wasn't. Oh, okay. Uh, the elimination of cash bail. Everyone said, you know, crime's going to run rampant and, and, and it's going to be the worst thing ever. And we see that it isn't. It's actually the other way around. And all the elimination of cash bail does is it stops criminalizing poverty, like you mentioned, Diane. So that's the right thing to do. We still focus on crime. So sometimes that's what gets lost in the narrative, is that you're doing these progressive things, therefore you're no longer holding people accountable. That is my whole platform, is we. Can can do more than one thing at a time. We can hold people accountable appropriately. There's no reason to criminalize poverty. There's no reason to criminalize poverty. All we need to do, right, Diane, all we need to do is make sure that people are uh, coming back and they're held accountable for what they're being charged with or what they're accused of. Um, As far as the other backlash and what to do with it, um, we just have to stay the course. We have to be strong. I need to rely on people like you uh, and your friends uh, and and Patty and this show to get the word out that, you know, this is the right thing to do and it's making us safer, actually.
6: Thanks very much. And again, thanks for running. And happy holidays to you. And Patty, Dylan, and I wish you happy holidays.
1: Oh, today. please tell Dylan I'm sending you the very best. Thank you so much, Diane. It's great to hear from you, my friend. You too. Take care. Take care. Let's, uh, you too. Bye. Bye bye. I. Uh, um, I, I know that folks uh you know when they when they think about the the Cook County State's Attorney again uh because I live in this neighborhood. Uh you mentioned when uh, we when we met at the Cook County De- I mean we saw each other at the Cook County Dems event that uh you you have good relationship with law enforcement. I do. And and well, you know we should probably make some events on the northwest side. But of course, all the people I know are in the <laughs> progressive groups, but I have a lot of friends over here. What kind of conversations are you having
2: with with some of the cops? You know, I lead a lot with being a military brat um, and it has to weight. Uh, and And I tell people that I was I was raised with discipline and respect for authority. And that matters to people because I think that they need to know that someone understands maybe how they're feeling, that people are just getting off and they're not being held accountable. And there's no there's no backlash to wrongdoing. And that's just not correct. And so we need to tell the story, you know, what's happening, how it's happening and why it's happening. And, And I think that. Letting, like, law enforcement know that we're holding them accountable because that's what the state's attorney has to do. But we're also working with them, that there's the communication here. One thing I tell people all the time, especially being a former assistant state's attorney, I know that our good cops hate bad cops as much as we do because it makes their job harder, makes them less safe. So they don't want that. So as the state's attorney, we empower them, right? We go in. We Allow the good brothers and sisters to root out the bad ones. And and my theory on life is like, you know, the percentage is a smaller percentage and we just let the larger percentage speak up and then we move forward. Um, But I had these these conversations straight out, flat out, you know, like, hey, we have to hold all law enforcement accountable for their actions, and we will. But we also have to have this relationship, and we work with law enforcement so that we can build upon these platforms that I want to build. This is the only way we do it. We do it with law enforcement. We do it with uh, uh, our elected officials, our appointed officials, advocates e- on, on either side. We do it by having a conversation and collaboration and making room that you might not be 100% correct to begin with, and then we come together.
1: Outstanding. Let's take a break here. got some more calls on the line. Uh, Debbie and uh, David are coming up after the break. We're going to take a news break here and continue our conversation with Clayton Harris III, running for Cook County State's Attorney. Uh, Again, one of the most important races uh, coming up in 2024. I know that there's the big one at the top of the ticket, but what happens at the local level affects you every single day. More in a moment on WCPT 820, Heartland Signal.
0: Driving it home. Patty Vasquez, Patty Vasquez. Global conflicts to greenhouse gas The folks refusing to wear masks says. And politicians getting caught grabbing ass says. She's driving it home with Patty Vasquez.
2: Thank
1: you so much for joining us uh, as we drive at home until 7. I'm your host, Patty Vasquez. And hello to our friends in Minneapolis, St. Paul, listening on KTNF 950 AM. Clayton Harris III, running for Cook County State's Attorney's Office, is uh, in studio with me. What were you looking at? The Oh, the callers?
2: Yeah, caller number two. You that's, want caller number two? Oh. That's a funny one.
1: Uh... Do you have a different screen than I do? Oh,
2: I see 703. Oh, okay, yeah. Let's
1: see. Let's go to, which one do you want? You want Old Town or San Francisco?
2: The, the, uh, either one is good.
1: All right, let's go to David in San Francisco. Yes. Hey, David, you're on with Clayton Harris third. What's on your mind, my friend?
2: Oh, thanks,
7: Patty, Clayton. Uh, yeah, I was uh, going to raise the issue of redemptive justice, and uh, I guess that previous caller was talking about the uh, cash bail issue. and. That's a part of it. Uh, I, I remember once getting arrested at a protest and running into a guy in jail who had never been arraigned. He had been in there for over 30 days, and he basically had a, a broken taillight, and uh, I think the— uh, his turn signal uh, didn't show and so he got a, he was in jail for 30 days without a trial without even being arraigned and uh, so the idea of redemptive justice uh, you know if your guest can talk about that some of the, uh, the cost savings to the taxpayers of, uh, of redemptive justice.
2: So, David, uh, uh, thank you very much uh, for your call and and calling in and talking about this. So what I will tell you is I saw it even when I was an assistant state's attorney. I had a case one time in narcotics. We had uh, a young man who was in jail and the case kept coming up and was being set again. And he actually ended up being in jail longer than I would have offered for him. Uh, I believed, obviously, that he had done the crime. So I made this offer. So what you're talking about, um, there's two things right there. Uh, One... Cash bail definitely would have had uh, uh, your the individual you're talking about out, so that they were out, able to be a productive citizen at least while they were waiting for their case. Like I said, the individual that I'm dealing with, I don't remember what his background is, and uh, but I remember that the case wasn't one dealing with violence. So uh, at this point in time, if it were to happen today, I'm pretty sure we would not have moved for a detention hearing, and at least they could have come out and maybe kept their job or help do something with their family before the um, before being in incarcerated, basically, uh, without a trial. So I think that the elimination of cash bail is doing exactly what it's supposed to do. Uh, and it's alleviating some of the pressure on the courts and allowing us to administer justice faster and appropriately.
7: Sure. Have you got any uh, specific examples of uh, I I remember reading about... Uh in fact I've been reading a book about the old Stanford uh, Stanford University was named after a former governor of California in 1862 they had the biggest jailbreak in the history of California and made uh, you know 150 people escape at one time and the uh, the uh, administrators of the, the jail system knew that it was a horrible system because it was, a even in their expression, it was a university for crime. That all of these people packed together were teaching each other how to commit crimes. And so not only redemptive justice would uh, remove that opportunity, but that if you were to ask each of these people, what would you do to, uh, you know, reduce the, uh, or, or you know, uh, ameliorate the uh, uh, why you committed this crime? What what could you do to be redemptive as opposed to getting revenge?
2: I think that one of the things, David, that we really want to make sure that we remember, too, is that um, in any type of incarceration, we want to make sure that there's rehabilitation going on uh, so that, you know, there's an opportunity to be better. So uh, redemption is uh, is the exact way to try to move forward when and where possible. Sound yeah.
7: good, yeah. David? Yeah, good start. Yeah, it's, uh, anything you can do to uh, you know, since you're dealing with uh, you know a half million, a couple of million people. In fact, Chicago is massive. Anything you can do to speak about it while on the campaign trail will help spread the uh, the issue. It's very expensive for taxpayers to have to pay for revenge. And every time I hear about these, you know, in the red states especially, they, they're demanding that guards be like the most tough guy. Well, can you imagine being the, uh, hum- or the, the, the hiring hall for some of the most evil guards? that they're actually going out of their way to, to, make, uh, to attract evil cops or evil guards uh, who will be vicious and, and acting in revenge, That's, that creates endless lawsuits for uh, the taxpayers. And so, you know, bad cops are, are more expensive than uh, than the criminals in some cases. That does seem to be uh,
1: what we're experiencing here in Chicago with some of the settlements. I think to that point as well, you know, I, I th- maybe that's one of the differences between being conservative and being liberal is conservative is about revenge in, in as far as justice goes. And and I, I know I've talked about this before. People, when I we talk about the death penalty, which is not something that we have in, in Illinois anymore, uh, but when people talk about because I'm, again, the death penalty, uh, that's a revenge thing. And people are like, well, you know, don't, what about somebody, you know, that is clearly guilty? You know, and, and for me, whenever somebody rolls out, someone like Gacy, I'm like, yeah, I, I'm against the death penalty. Uh, I it, it brought nothing for my family to have John Wayne Gacy off this planet. Mm. Uh, it brought nothing back to us. It served no purpose except to have the state uh, exact revenge. And, and I, I don't claim that in the name of our family.
2: I just think that, you know, the other thing, when you looked at um, the way that some of these things are administered, there is such a racial tinge. and until you know, we can do this and make sure that it's like that. It was the right thing to do. It was the best thing to do. We hold everyone accountable mm-hmm. appropriately.
1: Right. Thank you, David. Sure. Thanks, have, David. Have a good one. Hey, take care. Thank you. Good thank holiday. you. Too. You too. And speaking of uh, conservative, my understanding is that the uh, opponent it has ties to the Republican Party as well.
2: That's my understanding. Mm-hmm. Right. So um, you're looking here and talking to a true blue Democrat uh, through and through. Um, this is how I was raised. Um, it's what I was brought up in and to believe uh, about, you know, ensuring that everyone has uh, uh, appropriate uh, uh, possibilities and opportunities. And that's what we want to do. We want to make sure that everyone has a choice. Uh,
1: apparently, you have an endorsement from South Carolina. Yes. <laughs> Let's go to Maryland in South Carolina. Maryland, how are you doing today?
6: I am well. Hi, mom. I am
2: well. What? It's my mom. It's your mom.
6: <laughs> I'm sorry. This is, oh, sorry. I, I, I know you're about to tee it right up. Left. I know
2: I ruined it. I'm sorry.
6: <laughs> <laughs> oh, darn! I was I going to ask my questions first and then disclose. Okay. okay.
1: What's your question for the candidates?
6: Well, I would like, first of all, like the candidate has my full endorsement. I know how he was raised, and I know the people intimately who raised him. So that's yeah. <laughs> the first thing. Um, he is seriously, Clayton is a man of integrity. And if he weren't my son, I would certainly want him to be my friend. Oh, um, oh w-
1: come on.
2: That was nice.
1: <laughs> super <laughs> sweet. I don't think my son would say that um, about me. All right, I can say about my son, but I don't think I would say that about me. Just say, would you want to be friends with your mom too?
2: I would love to be friends See? with my mom. All right, then.
6: okay, just want to make sure. Well, one of the things I'd like to hear you talk about, Clayton, is um, your position on taking on hate crimes because that is so that's becoming such a big issue right now, and in particular, you, I know how you feel about guiding our youth, and I'm very concerned about the the temperament of youth today as it relates to hate crime in the current environment and so would you talk a little bit about taking on hate crimes even as you guide our youth and the community to be um, more uh empathetic to be more um open to other cultures other views other um races and religions what are your thoughts about that
2: okay uh, that 's not the softball I was expecting <laughs> that 's great though <laughs> no it yeah. actually is a very, very good question allows right and it allows me to talk about another uh, part of my platform honestly and 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 one of the things we want to do, and i 'll back into the uh, response there. one of the things we want to do when we come into office is make sure that we 're doing a dashboard that focuses on hate crime. We have the data out there, but we 're going to put it forward so people understand where the hot spots are so that we can focus again, uh, intelligent prosecutions on what's happening, how it's happening, and why it's happening. So one of the things that we know here in Cook County, even before everything that was going on is going on, excuse me, in the Middle East is that we had hate crimes that were up 121%. Before that happened, so we're talking about transphobia, we're talking about anti-Semitism, but now we're adding in Islamophobia right now, right, uh, and 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 uh, a lot of the Asian hate, you know, and and the different ones. And one of the things I tell people that uh, the, the problem, again, is we'll have a problem and we revolve around the problem. We don't resolve the problem. So at times we're closer to it and we get more attention to it. But as time wanes, you know, we get a little bit further from it and it's not as important. So one of the things that we want to do is to make sure that we are working with all communities in the office, that they have a liaison, so that when things are popping up, that we're attuned to what's going on. And again, that we can uh, apply the correct resources to ensure that people know that we're holding everyone accountable and we're going to do it appropriately. But we really want to make sure that we do not lose focus on what is happening, especially when it comes to hate crimes.
1: What do you think, Mom? Did you okay? That's my (laughs) son. That was my (laughs) son. Marilyn, are you going uh, to have a chance? You. Is mom coming? Are you coming down for the uh, at some point during the campaign? going to be spending some time knocking on doors, <laughs> going Absolutely. to fundraisers? Huh? I'll be there Saturday. Oh, you're coming in Saturday? Did
2: you, did you know that? Yes, yes, of course.
1: <laughs> <laughs> did your campaign the boys manager are you know that? I'm at home
2: cleaning have to clean the house right now. Of <laughs> course, of
6: course. <laughs> How long will you be in town, Marilyn? Well, I'll be there for a few days, and then I'll be back in early spring. Okay, what right. are your plans? We you have such a thing in Chicago for early called early spring. I don't know what that is, but um, in late February, early March kind of thing.
1: It'll start warming up a little bit. You can wear a you can wear a light coat hopefully mm-hmm. by by March. What are your plans for the holidays?
6: To hug my grandson. Oh, that's true. Nothing meaningful to do with conversation me. around the dinner table and around the Christmas tree, just like that. We have. Amazing conversations with our family, and um, that's quite stimulating. Outstanding. So
1: well, thank you Thanks so much. Mom, I love you. Thank you so much for calling, and uh, and congratulations on uh, really a remarkable candidate in this race for Cook County State's Attorney. I appreciate that. She runs uh, the office. Oh. We'll, we'll talk, I'll have to interview her next time. You're right. Bye, Marilyn. Merry Christmas. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you. Let's take a quick break here. When we come back, we'll continue uh, with a couple more phone calls. And make sure that we – by the way, your mom's endorsement, uh, I'm guessing it's at the top of the list, even though you've already got, uh, you know, you've got state senators, you've got uh, Mayor of Evanston, uh, Majority Leader Kim Lightfoot. you got a lot of endorsements already. Go Look at this list. Uh, Metropolitan – all the – I'm very <laughs> humbled. Commissioners, uh, City of uh, Chicago's Alderperson, Andre Vasquez, the 40th. Ward let's take a quick break here and continue this conversation and uh, at some point I will let you leave Uh I promise Uh, and uh, but not before we find out a little bit more what our listeners want to know from you more after this on WCPT 820 Heartland Signal KTNF 950 a.m.
0: Patty Vasquez is taking your calls now at 773-763-9278. Driving it home with Patty Vasquez, now on WCPT 820.
1: Thank you so much for hanging out with us as we drive it home. We are in studio with Clayton Harris third. He is the candidate, Democratic candidate for Cook County State's Attorney's Office. And uh, the election, of course, uh, coming up, it's going to be gearing up. you got to get a... It's a lot.
2: It's a lot. It's
1: a lot. A lot of fundraisers, a lot of meet and greets, a lot of shaking hands, a lot of speeches. Uh, so this is your opportunity to talk one-on-one with some folks. And I know that uh, Debbie from Old Town has been on hold for a bit. So, Debbie, what would what what you want to ask our guest?
6: Hi, guys. Thanks hey. so much for taking my call. I really, really, really love your passion, Clayton, oh. and I love what you have to say. No, you, you, you sound like the right man for the job. You really do. I think you've... Definitely got my vote at this point. Thanks, Debbie. Um, I, I was a fan of Kim Fox, and I have a lot of friends that are less liberal than I am, and they thought that she was the worst in terms of catch and release. And I tried to explain to them that a lot of that has to do with the judge. It isn't quite up to you as the as the attorney general, um, and I just, or the state's attorney. And I just wondered what, what your feelings on that
2: were. I think that um, when we look at the narrative that's going on, there are a lot of things that are are out of perspective. So I appreciate the question because, you know, I I would ask your friends to say, well, what do you mean by catch and release? What's going on? But if they're saying that the perception is that, you know, people uh, are are being arrested and then they're out, you know, and they're committing crimes again, Mm -hmm. then what we need to do is change the narrative. So what I'm going to do when I'm in office is we're going to move, forward. We're going to keep the, 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 the policies that have been put out there that have been nationally replicated. I mean, there are things that have been done now that uh, the, the the Fox administration has done that has been na- nationally replicated. So we're not going to go backwards with that. But what we're also going to do is make sure that we're letting people know that you know people are being held accountable. That um, when I talked about the platform dealing with uh, the juvenile justice, and we're going to back up to make sure that we're stopping the recidivism, so people don't believe that all that's going on is someone's being arrested and then they're released because they see them out commit the same crime again or the same person doing the same thing again. So what we're going to do is make sure that people understand and know... <clears throat> Sorry, Debbie, that we are addressing the recidivism rate and applying the right resources and holding people accountable correctly. And so that means that some people stay in jail, you know, uh, with the recidivism aspect of it. But it also means that we're looking at resources that we can apply to ensure that. And, and, and I'll go back to what I said earlier, that we're providing opportunities so these individuals never come back into the system.
6: How much of, of this catch and release is up to you and how much is up to the judges to decide that?
2: Well, it's always going to be the judge who determines whether someone comes or goes. But I'm not trying to point fingers at anyone because it is the state's attorney that uh, will um, put charges, right? So if the state's attorney does not apply a charge to someone, then they never come before a judge. So I'm not trying to pan it off there. And to that aspect, what I would have to tell you, and, and it's the truth, is it's a case-by-case basis. So it depends on the facts of the case or what they're being accused of on how we move forward. But this is why communication... With all these other entities is extremely important so that we are working together to ensure that our communities are safe and that we're putting the right resources in the right area.
6: Sound good? I feel that you I, – I, it sounds great. I feel that you will get this. And what I'm curious to know is what are your aspirations beyond? Oh, Oh, that's a great question.
2: (laughs) I'm hoping it's do a good job here. It's do a good (laughs) job, and uh, hopefully it will warrant uh, a second term. Um, I'm not in this to to, uh, hit it and quit it and just be like, oh, he's won and done. Um, And I'm not looking to move on. I'm not looking to use this as a springboard anywhere else. I truly believe in this mission right here.
1: Excellent. Wonderful. I'm, I'm going to say the ding ding well, and, then,
6: and then answer <laughs> Got my vote, and I can't wait to see you further and see the job that you do. And when is the election?
2: Uh, March 19th is the primary. That's really where it is. So I need to make sure that you come to the polls and you bring, like, ten of your closest friends and have them tell two people yeah. about it. Mm-hmm. And then they'll there tell you. two people about it. And so on, that old commercial. Get that uh, momentum. Debbie, right, and they'll tell two people. Right. I, I, I need everyone I need you to talk this up uh, and I need you to bring yeah. people to the polls absolutely
6: well good luck and congratulations ahead of time Thank
2: you Debbie Thank and you can always you. check us out at www.claytonharris and you can get all of our platform uh, and uh, see what we're about Clayton Harris com. correct F O R. Four. Excellent.
6: Thank you. Happy holidays. Happy
1: holidays, holidays. Debbie. Love you, Debbie. Let's go to Andy in Evanston. Andy, good to hear from you, my friend. What's on your mind?
5: Yes.
8: Good evening and uh, happy holidays to you. Yes, happy holidays. Um, Two questions, and they're kind of related. Uh, I've got a close friend who, unfortunately, she was uh, carjacked. A little while ago, and she is just an absolute basket case, is moving out of the city. Oh. And even though we've been working on her to try to bring her back down to, to Earth. But my first question is, what would you say to her? Now, The she was carjacked by four teenagers. So I know you said earlier that uh, you want to work on... Programs that will help keep that 12-year-old, that 14, 15-year-old from even getting involved in crime. But, okay, that's fine and it's all said and good, but what do you say to a woman like that to change her mind, to get her to stay in the city, number one? Number two... One of the things that upset her was the fact that, you know, police were called. Uh, In fact, what happened was her vehicle was taken, and uh, apparently they attempted a, a crime somewhere else in the city, and they crashed the vehicle. Right. So my question then is, why do we never hear about any kind of reward funds to try to reel these Individuals in. I mean, you know, so certainly you're saying like a ba- I understand. You're saying like, a the idea.
1: like putting out a like inf- for information, you're saying, yes. reward somebody for information? Exactly. How, uh, exactly. L- l- let's let Clayton answer the question.
2: That one's a little bit okay. harder on how we move to and through that with law enforcement and how they do that. So, but to the other uh, um, points that you made, if you don't mind, Andy, first and foremost, what I would say to your friend is I'm sorry because no one should have to live this way ever. So no matter what's going on, no one should have to worry about their car being stolen. No one should have to worry about any of their property being taken or anything like that. I, I, I know what it feels like. Not to that extent. My house has been broken into a couple of times, and I know what it, the violation that it feels. And I tell people even to this day, and it was and, in a long time. And, and by, by, by the way, she had a gun stuck in her face. And that's what I was going to say. This is a different type. So, you know, what we're talking about, though, right there is an aggravated assault and, and an aggravated Robbery, And we would move forward definitely on this with that prosecution, understanding that they're 12 years old. Um, we would move forward and then we would look at how we adjudicate this crime as we go. But we're holding everyone accountable. You know what I would say about her moving out or whatnot is that's a tough one, you know, because I, I, I want her to know that. Um, and not just her state's attorney, uh, but the police and everyone. And then I hope I'm not uh, stepping out of bounds. But everyone wants her to feel safe, just like everyone wants to feel safe in their neighborhood, in their communities or whatnot. And we are working for that. And I think that that's extremely important. Um, I cannot imagine having a gun pointed in my face for my vehicle or whatnot. So I just want her to know that she has someone who's coming, who, who hears her i hear you i hear her through you and what's going on and how she feels she's not the only one and i'm not trying to downplay it at all but this is why we have to have the balance between safety and justice we're holding everyone accountable when i come into office and we're going to do it appropriately
1: and i want to reiterate that uh, i'm so sorry that happened to your friend andy i can't I, I can't imagine unless you're in that situation there's no uh coaxing somebody into saying everything's going to be okay right. there just isn't so i'm so sorry andy Yeah. Thank you. Thank you.
8: Thank you.
2: Thank you, Mr. Harris. You got my vote. Andy, I appreciate that. And honestly, um, um, this is part of the reason I had a friend and her son was carjacked uh, downtown Chicago. And she called me and she told me about that. And, um, you know, separate apart from what her son must have felt in that situation. This is a mom, you know, and I have kids and I can't imagine that. And I can't imagine that feeling either. And it's not fair. That's the truth of the matter. So I hear you, Andy. Thank you,
1: thank you for that. Well, Ta- thank you. Take care, Andy. Uh, so we, we are so grateful for your time, and wish you the best of luck. Let's take this last minute for yeah. you to make that pitch to the to our audience, to people who maybe haven't really considered this race, haven't really thought about it, and uh, and I think encouraging folks to, to talk to their friends is important.
2: So give us your pitch. So first and foremost, thank you for allowing me to be on here. Uh, the pitch is, and and I think maybe Andy kind of hit the urgency of this moment cannot be overlooked. People don't feel safe right now. Um, And we can't, we have to resist the knee jerk uh, response, you know, on what it looks like. Because I know that a lot of times when people are like, we're not safe, we're not safe, what it looks like is we start rounding up black and brown bodies and then we just kind of throw them away. And we're not going to do that. But everyone has to know that we're holding people accountable for their actions. No one should have a, a gun put in their face and have their car stolen. I don't care if you're 12, 22, or 72. It's not right. And we're holding everyone accountable this is how we're going to hold them accountable. So you all are listening to right now someone I am passionate about this someone who who, who who, as a military brat was raised with discipline and respect for authority. We're going to hold everyone accountable and we're going to do it appropriately. Safety and justice are not an either or. It's an and proposition.
1: Well, thank you so much. I wish you the very best. I wish you a wonderful Christmas and thank celebration you with Christmas. your family. Thank you. And uh, hopefully I get my kid to uh, sign it for one of your classes.
2: Griffin, I'm coming for you, brother.
1: <laughs> Again, it's Clayton Harris. For Cook County, yes. .com. Uh, Visit the website, uh, share it with folks that you know. Let for them know. Cook.com. Oh, sorry, for Cook Thank you. So it's Clayton Harris for Cook Everyone, visit the website, uh, and he's also on social media. You can follow yes. him on Twitter, and uh, we uh, look forward to talking to you again soon. Yay Be well. Thank let's you. let's take a break here. When we come back. We're going to check in with Kirk Bangstead from Monaco Brewing Company. I'm actually going to give uh, Clayton <laughs> Harris. Uh, I'm going to give you a can of woke coffee. All right. I've got so it's nitro coffee, non alcoholic, and uh, maybe for your campaign, uh, I'll, I got a couple two three beers, maybe. Uh, in a fridge, if uh, anybody that works on your campaign might be interested. I like the well,
3: shake well, got, pour hard. I got some
1: choice seltzer going too. More in a moment on WCPTA 20 Heartland Signal and KTNF 9:50 a.m.
3: I'm Kirk Banksett from the Manaqua Brewing Company, and I sell Choice Hard Seltzer, an all-natural grapefruit and lime-flavored booze that you can enjoy for only 100 calories a can. A percentage of the proceeds of each can sold goes to reproductive rights groups in the Chicagoland area. Enjoy a light, refreshing hard seltzer and support reproductive freedom at the same time.
1: Now available at Provisions Uptown in Chicago and R&J Wine and Spirits in Glenview, as well as Eastside Cafe, Coffee and Wine Bar in East Dundee, where Kate is serving up smiles and drink responsibly.
0: You're listening to Driving It Home with Patty Vasquez on WCPT 820.
1: I am so excited to catch up with our sponsor, Kirk Banks at Monaco Brewing Company. I just gave Clayton Harris uh, some woke coffee to keep him awake on the campaign trail and then also to uh, some choice seltzer to unwind at the end of the day. I love that you have us coming and going, Kirk. How are you doing?
3: There you go. Good. Really good. It's good to talk to you again. It's been like a month after we've done our shows, Patty. I miss you.
1: I miss you, too. And I have to say, like, I'm the the conversations and the energy behind continuing to push voucher schools across the country, not just in Wisconsin. There's so much momentum for it right now. And I, I have to say, I'm, I'm a little proud that in Illinois, we put a, a stop to all that nonsense. Yeah. Sorry.
3: Yeah. You guys did a great job. Unfortunately, our, our path has been uh, recently made a little bit longer uh, to even get close to where you guys are in Illinois right now on voucher schools.
1: Yeah, it's it's insane. And what have you been up to? You've got a, a lot going on. I saw pictures of your new tap room. In is it a tap room or a, what is it a pub? What are you doing in Madison, Wisconsin?
3: Yeah, we're uh, we're making a tap room uh, in Madison uh, <laughs> because. Because up north in Minocqua, it was yeah. a constant struggle um, because we're so progressive, and our town, town, town leaders are so conservative that they really just didn't want us around. So we uh, we're opening up a new place in Madison, uh, which will hopefully uh, help help uh, stabilize things if the town gives us grief anymore in Minocqua. And uh, but so that's that's keeping me busy, and that's why we're not doing the show right now. But um, we just got a. Uh, we just got some news um, about the voucher case um, yesterday or uh, last week, and I think that's why we're talking today. We're going to update everybody on what's going on there.
1: Okay, excellent. Yeah. Uh, so, what is going on with with, uh, with with the voucher case in Wisconsin?
3: Well, I mean, so. I mean, to take it a step back, like you said, I mean, the vouchers got rejected in Texas, of all places, because even Republicans (laughs) are going to get even Republicans in like rural Texas know that the advent of voucher schools is something that if you start, if you because it's weird. I mean, I'm going to sound a bit like a conservative right now, I warn you, but if you start an entitlement program, it's very hard to take an entitlement program away once you start it. And basically, voucher schools are, is an entitlement program. It is it is public money that goes to fund people who want to go to private schools, uh, which sounds ridiculous, but it is happening all around the country. It's uh, it's it, the worst, I think, is in Arizona, where uh, the public school system has been decimated. But so it, so um, so we just. You know, we've been put. The, Wisconsin was the beginning of of the voucher school, private school voucher program, and it happened 30 years ago. And now it's it's very large, and uh, and and politically, uh, we're seeing that our case, which is which we've proven on your show through 10 weeks of painstaking detail of why it's so bad uh, for the public school system and bad for, you know, the, the, the the kids, you know, kids in general, kids' educations in general. Uh, We got some political headwinds uh, because we tried to get this thing fast tracked through the Wisconsin Supreme court because all the evidence was already there. We didn't need to, uh, to go to a lower court and we didn't need to like have uh, experts testify the evidence that that uh that there was an unconstitutional kind of two-tiered education system that was cropping up because of voucher schools was there and that's just not that's not legal uh, in wisconsin's constitution so we thought we could we could go take this straight to the supreme court and uh, we filed a petition to do that which is called an original action and uh and we got we just did not get that uh, last week. So that was kind of a bummer.
1: Oh, I'm so sorry to hear that. It's got to be frustrating. It's hard when you have you know, all the right pieces in place and, and there's going to be bumps along the bumps in the road along the way. But ultimately, this is about making sure that we don't continue to defund. And we've talked to so many educators, so many experts in the in the series of the right wing war on public education that told us fundamentally how kids of color are, are being negatively impacted and marginalized, kids who have disabilities, teachers who are, you know, doing their very best every single day and want to stay in the profession. And here are Republicans who absolutely do not give a a crap. I almost swore on the air. (laughs) It just makes it so infuriating.
3: Well, what's what's more what's what's infuriating? I mean, I'll give you some inside baseball right now, Patty. What's a little infuriating is that. Is that you know what what we've seen at the national level? Uh, I think a lot in terms of trying to prosecute Trump, with you know with um, you know with Democrats just kind of like hemming and hawing and hemming and hawing so often and not being able to. What I said in a recent thing that I wrote, I was like, as, as progressives, we got to start like driving the car and looking at the horizon of possibility instead of looking at the rearview mirror and freaking out about what might happen if we, if Republicans do this, 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 you know, or or if we might lose what little job we have, if we don't play with these chaotic agents of chaos, you know, if we don't like deal with them. So this is kind of what happened with our case. Um, We have a Supreme court majority, a progressive majority, one of which is being threatened for impeachment. On a regular basis, you know, we have we have our our key, our top Republican, which is Robin Vaughn, has threatened to impeach Janet Cotisay with over and over and over again for no reason. (laughs) I mean, you know, ostensibly because she said that gerrymandering was cheating (laughs) when she was running for office, which is exactly true. Uh, But he's threatened to impeach her. And so so I'm I'm very uh, I I got a really strong uh, feeling that the reason that the Supreme Court didn't take our case was because they're keeping their powder dry for a, 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 a gerrymandering case, which is a very huge thing for Wisconsin to get us fair maps again, and also, also to, to vote on you know, uh, getting rid of this 174-year-old abortion ban, um, which are the two most important things facing the Supreme Court right now. There's no doubt about it. But I, I honestly think that... that this Supreme Court politically is, is worried that one of them might get impeached. Uh. And because of that, they're playing it safe. I also worry that our, Governor Tony Evers, um, he did not – he wrote an amicus brief in this case saying that we should probably go through the normal court system and take it more slowly, which did not help us at all. Because, you know, if, the, if your Democratic governor is saying to take it slowly, you know, that's, the Supreme Court is probably going to listen and I think the reason he said that was because he thinks that there's, you know, he, he is hearing the ads, which have started playing, by the way. There are, there are Republican, you know, the Betsy DeVos lobby, school voucher lobby, are playing these ads with all these black and brown people saying, what a great voucher school education. What, what would have happened to them if they weren't able to go to voucher schools?" They're starting to play those ads in Wisconsin right now and nobody
1: and, so, and nobody's playing yeah, the ads yeah. of the kids in in those communities or kids with disabilities who are like this you know I am I am not given the same opportunities because all this money is being diverted to these voucher school programs yeah. and I will tell you that governor pritzker seemed like he might have been had somebody in his ear or maybe same thing like you're saying there was a moment where he was like hey you know if you bring me a bill I might sign an extension for this uh the scholarship program yeah. but it was basically it wasn't it wasn't a tax write-off it was a 75 percent tax credit, so basically a tax shelter for the wealthy, and it, it yep. was and it, it was a very—look, I'm not saying that the kids weren't benefiting from that program, but they basically were, were benefiting because rich Republicans want to control our education and can hold those kids up as an example, not as something that they're truly invested in intellectually or in any other way.
3: No, I mean— uh... What happens, you know, when 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 a when a person of color that doesn't have a lot of means gets a voucher school? That's you know that might be a good good avenue for them, or or else they'll get duped by by a flyby night school right. who who also takes the voucher money, and, and nobody knows which school is good or not, you know, and, uh, and 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 schools pop up and go away all the time. So you know that, and for every. Kid of color, or just kid of lower means of any color, um, you know, there is. That, that's why public schools exist, so that they can get educated. So to give money to a voucher school, but to take it away from a public school will hurt many more kids of color than just giving it all to a public school. So it's it's we, we've we've proven that we've talked about it ad nauseum. But the <laughs> the uh, <laughs> the the painful thing is that. Is that it's it's a bit of a third rail, especially in Milwaukee. Uh, with you got, I mean, you got uh, you got senators and, and you got Democratic progressive senators and Assembly people that won't talk about this because they don't want to offend people who don't quite get what's going on with voucher schools. And so, because of that, it's been hard. It's been hard politically for me. I've been I've been called a racist a lot in the last uh, couple mm-hmm. months, and it's it's not easy coming when it's coming actually from people in your own party.
1: Oh, absolutely. Well, and we had a moment where somebody reached out and they wanted wanted me to read an ad for a cons- conservative think tank supporting the uh, the scholarship, the voucher, whatever they want to call this uh, this incentive yeah, yeah. for rich people. And I was like, No, I I, I don't care if you pay me. I I, I don't believe in this, and, and it's I, I, I no, I can't put my voice to something that I just to my very core am, am against and in, in taking public funding away from. Uh, kids in community. And look, we are having our own problems in Chicago, and that's neither here nor there. I also want to talk a little bit about uh, this. You have some great merchandise available. Uh, what's I want to know what you want to highlight, because I know you're running out of stuff at Minocle <laughs> Brewing Company. You guys are having a run on really good products. Uh, uh, I've, 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 I heard that I was supposed to get a coffee mug for Christmas, and now I have to wait a little bit because he sold out of some woke
3: coffee. Oh, is Jerry going to—yeah. Yeah, well, we've, we've had a good— um, We've, you know, as it, it's hard to just get beer. I mean, by the way, Chicago is going to get beer very soon. Ooh. But we've been—Chicago uh, <laughs> Liquor Commission is not the fastest <laughs> in changing permits. No. for us. But <laughs>
1: You're kidding. There's bureaucracy involved. There's folks that—there's layers of paperwork that needs to be filled oh, out. There's man. A, there's a waiting time period. Is something oh. filled out correctly? Yeah, I know.
3: <laughs> I, mean, I mean, did I— I don't know who I need to bribe, but just tell me who no, no. I need to bribe, and I'll do I'm it.
4: You know, but
1: I'm, <laughs> like, not, I'm sure it's not like that anymore, my friend. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure. I am sure that can not be. I'm sure. But you are shipping across the country to a lot of states, and folks can find that information on the website, right?
3: Yeah, yeah. So we're we've got merchandise. Uh, uh, we've got tons of stuff that we're selling. Um, not only beer, we have choice wine that people can find on our website. Uh, We have, you know, just t-shirts that are really funny and really cool. And some are heartfelt. Um, And, you know, we, we will get some more of woke coffee mugs in there. And obviously we have, we have coffee, we have ground coffee. We have the woke coffee you gave to the uh, gentleman earlier and all of it can, all the non-alcoholic stuff can be bought online easily. And it's, a little harder uh, in Illinois to get our beer. It's not you cannot quite available uh, yet, uh, but but you can get our wine, uh, the wine that we make with Equality Vines out of Sonoma, California. So there's a lot of stuff, and people just go to the website. Um, so it's a it's it's that, and also um, if if you want to help us continue this lawsuit uh, in in lower courts, um, I'm uh, I'm holding my hand out for that as well because we thought we could do this. On the cheap by going straight to the Supreme Court uh, of Wisconsin, and now it's probably going to, you know, it's going to have a, it's going to be about a year long slog. So, so we have a, a super our super PAC is uh, right on the Monaco Brewing Company uh, web page as well, and you can donate to help that voucher suit if uh, if you think that uh, if you if you, don't, if you want to think, see things change in Wisconsin and help public schools.
1: Outstanding, and I know that you also a, a portion of you one you you contributed yourself to uh you have, you've contributed yourself to the funds in Texas to help uh, women who are seeking abortion care and health care reproductive care uh you know personal pack benefits from the sales of choice seltzers and as well as the Planned Parenthood of Wisconsin I I really it, this is it, 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 I'm amazed at how many people are surprised by the extent to which the extent to which conservatives and Republicans are willing to go to prove that they hate women I just I I know that people hate hearing <laughs> yeah. that but I'm like you know, they told us oh no 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 we believe in Exceptions, uh, you know, and here's a woman who whose life can be in, in, in da- is possibly in danger, a fetal disorder that is not survivable, and her ability to possibly have uh, expand her family, which is what she wanted. They said no, so they they really don't believe in exceptions. It's all been lies the entire time.
3: Yeah, so. But the people that you should give money to on that front, and that's what our Super PAC did uh, while we promoted our choice, and we gave an extra percentage of all the bottles of choice wine we sold, is the Center for Reproductive Rights. Uh, They're in D.C. and New York, and they are the ones that are funding all these lawyers. To find the Kate Coxes of the country and uh, and bring and, and bring these cases to the fore, actually fight them in court. And whether or not they win or lose, unfortunately, um, they lost in Kate Cox's case. We wouldn't have known about it if uh, if these guys didn't have the money to hire lawyers to bring these cases all over the country.
1: Yeah, it's uh, it, it's necessary. Uh, and so, tell me when the uh, when the. Madison room is opening. All right. Cause I saw the pictures of, of the before. Are, do you have any of the during? Do we, where are
3: we in this process? <laughs> I'm going there. So it's funny. I'm i uh, I'm driving. I'm, I'm at my apartment in Madison. I, I live both in Monaco and Madison now that we're doing a tap room, but uh, I'm, I'm driving there right after we get done talking. And uh, cause they're, they have to wait until the, uh, they have to wait until the store next door is closed. Cause they're having a jackhammer <laughs> to lay like the plumbing stuff. Oh, God. So it's, uh, it's, 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 dust. it's, we're still in the early stages, unfortunately, of construction. I was hoping January, I'm hoping still, uh, that we can just we just get some crazy work done this week and, and next week. But we'll see what happens. Uh, uh, there'll, there'll be a middle, but the middle is not quite there yet <laughs> it's in the construction. <laughs> Are you, You're you driving right now? <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm, okay. I'm about ready to leave my place and get in the car.
1: Oh, to, okay, I'm going I'm to let you go because I know that you, you've got a lot going on. Unless you want to hang on for a break. I've got to take a break here. Do you want to hang on or, or do you need to run?
3: No, I can hang out. Oh,
1: excellent. Kirk Banks said, go to MonacoBrewingCompany.com website to find out how you can pick up uh, some of their incredible brews, Choice Seltzer, Woke Coffee, uh, and then all the great T-shirts. Uh, you, you, you're, you have someone in your life who would love one of these items. Uh, I know I want the. Uh, I, I, I want my Woke Coffee mug, but I'll have to wait till next year, which is fine. It's fine. Totally fine, Kirk. More in a moment on WCPT twenty Heartland Signal, KTNF Minneapolis, St. Paul. We're driving it home till 7.
0: You're listening to Driving It Home with Patty Baskin on WCPT 820.
1: We are wrapping up with Kirk Bangstead, the mastermind, the genius behind Monaco Brewing Company. He joins us on the line. He's opening up a new room in Madison, Wisconsin, and you can pick up uh, one of his incredible beers. I really, honestly, one of my favorites is the Kamala Stout, and the wintertime is the best time for that. (laughs) Do you have any new brews you want to tell us about?
3: Oh, my gosh. We got four new ones coming. Um, and uh, I, I'm, I'm going to announce one tomorrow, which is hilari- oh, hilarious. We The first one I announced, well, because I have to make new beer because we, we're putting in the kegs, and before I was just selling it in cans to liquor stores. So uh, it, with a new tap room, you have stuff on tap, and I didn't have any beer in kegs, so we're make, we had to make a whole new lineup. So we're coming up with four new beers, and uh, <laughs> the one we're, we're coming up with tomorrow was uh, – we have a lawyer named Fred, who I've talked about frequently online. Yes, who's, yeah. who's, a, who's got red hair. He's got like fire engine red hair. And Fred uh, we had all these hotshot lawyers trying to like help me get my beer garden when our when our when our town was trying to shut us down. I was on you know, I was on your show, I was on Jones' show. Like it was it was getting to be regionally like crazy news, like in the Midwest. And uh, and all we had all these hotshot lawyers who were trying to fight my case. And at the end of the day, all of them uh, didn't want to, like, get into the long haul of actually suing these guys, uh, which would show them that we were serious. We weren't just, like, sending them nasty grams like so often lawyers do. You know, cease and desist letters don't go very far if you're not actually willing to sue uh, to have people cease and desist. So, anyways— Fred, who's like a 33 year old guy who uh, you know who's, who hasn't been a practicing lawyer for you know all that long, especially you know he's not a he's not a hot shot lawyer, but he's a he's a friend and, and he's been part of some of my uh, Super PAC lawsuits because he cares so much. He's he's dogged and courageous. Anyways, he got our beer garden for us. He like he like pursued these guys and they capitulated and they gave us a beer garden. So so he told me if I did this and no other lawyers were able to, I'd have to make a beer for him. So we didn't. We we went on Facebook, and I said, "Okay, Fred. He's an irrepressible ginger." Which which was was close. That was close to the name of this beer, uh, and a lot of people were like, "Just call it Fred's beer," and that was so boring. But that got a very high vote count. But the one that won
6: uh-huh.
3: was called Grateful Fred. <laughs> I love it! I love it. Grateful Fred's Red uh-huh. Ale. So. We've got this psychedelic uh, uh picture here with with Fred in a suit who looks totally out of place in all these people, you know, <laughs> doing shrooms and stuff. But uh, it's 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 a hilarious. It's going to be we're going to release it tomorrow. Grateful Dead Bread, Red Ale, and it's uh it's it's really funny. Yeah, the, the picture. Check out the Facebook post tomorrow because the picture is really funny of this can.
1: That's fantastic. And everyone go to MonacoBrewingCompany.com. And as I mentioned, you can also now order a you know, order Fair Maps two uh, you've got your schoolhouse. Uh, how's schoolhouse Bach doing?
3: Oh, it's great. People love it. Yeah. People absolutely love it. We're almost out of it. Uh, we got about we had about nine cases left uh, in the stores, and so that's uh, you know that was our one for the voucher schools. Yeah, it's uh stuff is going, Things are going great. Yeah, but we're having a bunch. All these new things are coming out. You're there may be one. There may be one about uh, about. Joe Biden's alter ego coming out as well.
1: Oh, a little Dark Brandon action. <laughs> I'm not saying anything. I didn't say anything. I'm any not saying anything, anything but there anything. may be it's a little, some aviators. I like it. I like it. Uh, Kirk, I adore you so much. I'm really, I know that you and I, uh, we lead with our hearts uh, and we're passionate about fighting for people's rights. And, and that's that's where we have so much common ground. And I'm, I'm grateful to count you as my sponsor for making this show possible. I can't thank you enough. I hope that you're going to have a wonderful Christmas. I hope to. See, are you in Chicago soon?
3: I will be. I will be in February for reasons I can't say on online, but Jerry knows. So, uh,
1: Excellent.
3: <laughs> yeah, okay. Excellent. But yeah, I'll be there. I'll be there in February, so maybe I'll stop by.
1: Excellent. Everyone go to MonacoBrewingCompany.com. and support by supporting and purchasing something from Monaco Brewing Company, you continue to support this show as well. Uh, thank you so and fighting good fights all over Wisconsin. Uh, we've got to flip Wisconsin in 2023 2023. It's got to happen. Have a great night, Kirk. Merry Christmas.
3: All right, Merry Christmas to you too. Take care.
1: Take care. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Uh, bye. That's our show. Thank you, Paul. Mike Cruz up next with Devils Advocates, and then uh, and, Paul and then McNeil Mac- after that. Bye everyone.